Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time, and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here again with Alex. I'm going to try this again. Van Taraskus? Oh, uh, you had no, it right the first time. No, okay, say it. Van Tarakis. Okay, man. Close enough. We'll take man, it. I, I got it right the first time. I'm, I'm one and one right now. No worries. So Alex is the founder of the Vant Group, a Dallas-based mergers and acquisitions firm that helps business owners buy and sell, well, business owners sell their business and prospective business owners buy businesses. There you go. Thank you for joining me again. Absolutely. So we recorded an episode previously about selling a business yep. and how to increase the value of a business and get it ready to sell. Now we're switching gears to the buying side. Yep. I'm going to talk about it from a buyer's perspective. Totally different. Totally different. Totally different. I I, I hope that the my sellers don't hear my buyer podcast Uh-oh. and my buyers <laughs> don't hear my seller's podcast. <laughs> Um, but now look, buying a business, as I said in the, in the last podcast, uh, is something that a lot of people want to do. It's what I did. I got a, I got out of corporate America in 1998. Yeah. 98. Wow. That's a long time. (laughs) Uh, I I bought a very small, uh, made cleaning business. Oh, Uh, nice. I didn't know anything about owning a business. I thought I was so smart. I had an MBA and you know, I had a big cush corporate job and I showed up in this little maid business and I got overwhelmed in like the first month. Oh, wow. Stuff that's so basic now as a business owner, but, you know, so overwhelming back then. So, yeah, we're going to talk about buying a business today. We're going to talk about what to watch out for, how do you get them financed, um, what to look out for, um, and make sure that you match the right business because uh, a lot of people don't really know what they're buying sometimes Mm. when they buy a business. Well, I will say I have noticed through conversations about this, because I've been very open about the fact that I'm in the market to buy and acquire other bookkeeping businesses. That's one of my growth strategies. And so I'm constantly bringing that up in different settings and contexts, because if anybody happens to be within hearing distance that knows of anybody or happens to be somebody in that arena... I want it. I want it to know. Call me first, you know, because I really want to find one off market. <laughs> so I've noticed through having those conversations with people that there's very two different thought processes on buying companies. Some people swear by it and love it as a, a growth strategy, but there's a whole other school of thought out there of people that say, no, it would be better and more cost efficient for you to build it yourself rather than going and spending all this money for these customers, spend that money on marketing and sales and go create the the business yourself and get the customers you want. So two very different schools of thought. Now you're in mergers and acquisitions. You've bought companies yourself. Where do you land on that spectrum between those two schools of thought. Would you do it again? Would you recommend it to, to people that are interested in perhaps buying? All right. So I've bought and started. Um, so I can, so you've done it so both I, ways. I've done it both ways. And I can tell you that the answer, 
um, is it depends. Mm. It depends what your skill set is and what your team's skill set is coming in. So, for example, if you're a salesperson, you have no business in starting a business because you're not going to care about setting up operations and finances and everything except for sales. Mm -hmm. You're a perfect candidate to buy a business because you're going to look at that business and say, wait a minute. You guys are doing this, this, and this wrong. I come in and sell the heck out of these items if we change some things. And you're going to be focused day one on growing that business. Um, and that's a microcosm of, of all the different types of skill sets that people have. There are people that are idea producers, and there are people that make businesses better. Those are two completely mm. different skill sets completely different. I'm really good at making businesses better. I'm not really that good at starting an idea from scratch and and want and really having the desire to go through the time that it would take and the risk that it would take to get a business off the ground. Mm. You know, so it's really a a factor of what your skill sets are cuz most people don't have both. That's a unicorn. Uh, so let's say that's interesting. Let's say they had both. So you're equally as good at starting a company and equally as good at growing an existing company and making it better. See, I can't not it's... say buy a business because then <laughs> what I, what well, I do. I'll tell you, I was at a bookkeeping conference recently and it was about 400 bookkeepers at this conference. And at the very last day, the very last session, they just did a question and answer session. And I'm thinking strategically, I need to get in front of all these bookkeepers and put the word out there mm. that I want to buy anyone's business that you guys might be thinking of selling. So I purposely posed a question that would make sure I could right. state that. Um, but this panel of speakers that was up there, as soon as I asked the question, hey, have any of you bought or sold because I'm interested in doing this? And immediately one just emphatically came out and he, you know, he's coming at it from this. Again, it's bookkeeping. So everybody's um, in that arena, you know, and so he had bought other accounting firms before. So he had experience doing this and he immediately told me, don't do it. Just emphatically, dogmatically, don't do it. You would be way better off spending those dollars marketing and getting the customers that you want. I've done this before. It's not worth the headache. Save yourself the hassle. Mm -hmm. Like he was very adamant. And I asked him, I said, okay, I've heard people in that, with that school of thought, that have told me that, but I've also talked to accountants that have bought practices and swear by it, mm -hmm. that they want to buy more. So is there not some level of due diligence maybe that could have right. been done right. or, you know, maybe you didn't buy the right kind of business? You know, I was kind of giving him a little pushback to say, mm -hmm. aren't there circumstances in which that could have gone better? Right. And he came back with, no, absolutely not. Don't do it. Like right. he was... Yeah. I think very emotional about it yeah. even. So <laughs> I meet people on both sides all all the time. And, the pe and they're both vehemently certain that their way is right, correct. Right, right. Because of circumstances <laughs> that were very specific to them. Right. I think that I you, think a lot of that may have been the Vietnam flashbacks right, that he was right, feeling right. about whatever pain he had gone right. through. <laughs> I think you did a good job of trying to pry out of him well, could it have been 
you know, something else. And of course, nobody wants to admit that they made a mistake. Right, so of course, right. he's going to say no. But um, on the earlier show, we talked about the, the services that I have is we help 80% of our work is uh, helping business owners sell their companies. 10% of our work is helping buyers buy companies. And then 10% is we provide business valuations to anybody that should just know what their business is worth. And in the other show, I said how much we prefer to work on seller side work because buy side work, which I think everybody needs, and I'm not saying that, let me back up. Everybody that hasn't gone through the process before or doesn't want to go through the process by themselves should absolutely get help. I wish I had somebody when I went and bought my business. The reason why we do it, because the fees are half. So whatever fees we make on a sell side, the fees are half. And the work, are you ready, is double. Oh, wow. So it's not like the work is half. The work is double. Wow. And, you know, there's there's three reasons we do it. One is I wish I had somebody that could have protected me when I bought a business. Two, it's, it's still money. I mean, it's still good commissions. It's just not as much. And three, if we've helped a buyer and done a good job and helped them buy a solid business, then most likely five to seven years from now, they're going to come back to us and they're to going sell to it. sell their business. <laughs> so those are the reasons why we do it. Talking about buying or starting, I don't think, and I'm, I'm slanted towards buy, buying, of course, I don't think that you can garner the cash flow that you're going to give up in the startup costs versus the cash flow that you're going to buy immediately. And whatever issues you see in the business, and this is the big if, if you can identify what all those issues are and make sure you price the business accordingly, accordingly. then it's much better to me to buy a business. There's a big if there. Right. If you do not have that skill set, well, even starting a business is dangerous because then you're like, okay, well, if you actually have an idea that's better than anybody else or as good as somebody else or can do it for less or quicker or cheaper than somebody else and you can, you know, get your sales in quick enough to offset all the expenses, there's a lot of ifs on both ends. Right. Well, I think a lot of the work, in my opinion, not having ever done it myself, is in the due diligence process. Mm -hmm. Now, where I was involved with an acquisition, I was the controller of a company. Um, the, the partners who hired me had just sold a company. They had a bunch of cash and they had a contract on a company they were buying. And that's when I came on the scene. Mm -hmm. So I got to see the process kind of on the tail end as they're getting ready to sign the papers. And that was a learning experience for me to see where there was some holes in their due diligence, right. not only with the company that they purchased, but even things like the building that they owned, mm -hmm. they planned to use for the new company as well. Well, it was a completely different kind of company. Mm -hmm. The company they had sold that no longer occupied the building had the certificate of occupancy mm -hmm. from the city now they needed a new certificate of occupancy for the new business, which was a completely different kind of business. And the city said, no, you cannot operate that kind of business in this building. Mm. So even things like that, the due diligence wasn't even just on the company they were purchasing, right. but also the due diligence on things like that that had nothing to do with that. You know? Yeah. You, you can, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, hey, do you have a due diligence list? 
<laughs> if I gave you a list of all the questions that were ever asked in the last yeah. 23 years, <laughs> there'd be a thousand questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're going to do the process right, you really should go through those thousand questions. But people don't have the time or the knowledge or the expertise or desire and certain things are are. are Part of the risk of buying a business is that you're gonna, you might oversee some things that are actually important. You're 100% gonna oversee things that aren't that important, but make sure you don't oversee something that's really, really important. Mm, yeah. Um, and every deal is so different. If you sell a manufacturing facility or a bookkeeping company the list of due diligence items are drastically different. Different, It is much easier to do due diligence on a bookkeeping firm than it is to do it on a manufacturing company. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And, you know, going back to would you start or build, the other thing that it depends on is what industry are we talking about? Mm. I mean, are we talking about bookkeeping where you're a bookkeeper and you know the business itself and you can do the work which is a huge advantage over everybody else therefore you know how to set up the teams well then it's all about revenue well that's all up to your marketing and if you're networking and if you do a good job doing that all of a sudden you start a bookkeeping firm with twenty thousand dollars right right yeah but if you but if you're not outgoing and you don't know how to connect with people and you can set up the best systems but you can't bring in a single solitary client then you've just wasted fifty thousand so, you know, it depends on the industry as well. You know, you want to create a, you want to start a chemical manufacturing facility where you have to buy land and invest millions of dollars right. in infrastructure on the hopes that you're going to get some clients, you know, again, it depends, it, it, it really There's depends. a lot of variables. There's so it. many variables. The one thing to know is, and it seems like you do a lot of due diligence on, on this uh, subject since you want to be a buyer. Um, the best advice I can give you is for people to follow what you're doing, which is to educate yourself as much as possible. I'll make the same offer I made on the last podcast. We wrote two, we've written two books. One is called Exit. It's for business owners that want to sell their companies. And one is called Entrance. It's for buyers that want to buy a business. If you send me an email, uh, alex at thevantgroup.com, and say that you heard me on this podcast, I'll send you a free copy of Entrance. It's a great start. It's actually a really good start. It's got all the basic ABCs that you would want to know. But that's one part of the learning process, you know. Um, I would go online to different listing websites. Uh, The most popular one is Biz Buy Sell. Uh, B-I-Z-B-U-Y-S-E-L-L.com. It is sort of like an MLS system for homes, it's not the it's it's got a lot of lower price deals, but there's actually some good deals in there. The reason to go there is to start looking at businesses for sale. How mm-hmm. much do they sell for? Okay, and then start looking at the revenue and cash flow and say, okay, I'm starting to get an idea of what is a good range. And then, you know, frankly, if there's a business of interest, there's nothing better than finding out about the process than dipping your water in the the process well and i will say just from my networking me just asking people have you ever bought or sold what do you know now that you wish you had known then just asking those questions i have learned a ton if you can figure out what somebody's pain point was that they went through Mm -hmm. when they went through the process you can learn from other people's mistakes (laughs) 
<laughs> which is the best part. You don't have to make the mistake yourself. You can learn from someone else's. Yeah. And, and everybody has made, I've made a mistake in, in all the businesses that I've ever bought and sold. And this is what I do for a living <laughs> because you just, there's so much like the example you said about the CEO not working, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's a huge, you know, that, you know, well, who should have done the due diligence on that? You know, well, at what part of the process should I have thought about right, that? You right, right. Um, um, and, you know, kind of going back to uh, um, educating yourself, it's the one-off examples that you're going to hear about from people's experiences that really make yes, a difference. absolutely. You're going to read a book all day long and it can tell you, hey, here's the basics. But it's the one-offs that you've got. This is what happens with us. We've been doing this for 23 years. We've been involved with valuations and buy and sell probably a thousand clients well that's a thousand missteps on both sides Mm -hmm. that we've seen that obviously over time those number of missteps that repeat themselves go away so as time goes by there's less and less issues but they're more fascinating to me because they haven't been discovered in the first 10 years yeah. or 15 years or 20 years you know and it gets less and less and less but there's still things that surprise us in the process which is why buying a business is a great endeavor but extremely risky Yes. Extremely risky. You know, the stats are you buy, uh, you, if you start a business, I think 80% of all businesses that start uh, fail in the first five years. I think that's the stat that I wow. heard. Of businesses that are purchased, I'd say probably half of them fail. Wow. Now, it's better than 80%, but it's still, still a, huge, a huge number. Ri- huge, huge, huge number. Would you say that a part of the problem is that? potential buyers tend to get emotionally attached to a business you know if they get excited about it Mm -hmm. that maybe they miss some of that due diligence because they've gotten emotionally attached to the the quote-unquote product yeah and that's very interesting i've never heard i've always heard about sellers and their attachment to their business and how difficult it makes the process because it's their baby and sellers think that it's worth more than the market does Yes, I, I I have seen instances of buyers, the further along they get into a deal and the more committed. Yeah. It's it's a it's a combination of being attached but also being committed. Right. It's kinda like you asked your your girlfriend to marry you. You're yeah. not actually married yet. Right. But you're kinda committed to getting married. Right. So even though, you know, you're still going through due diligence on both accounts, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, well, and you start thinking about what your future is going to be like with this. And, you mm-hmm. know, you're envisioning, you know, obviously you're doing it because you think your life is going to be better in mm-hmm. some way. So however you're envisioning that playing out, right. now you've gotten attached to what it means for your life. Yeah. And I and I specifically asked that question because I think that was a big part of the problem with that that firm that I worked for, that I was the controller and I saw them purchase this company. The company they purchased was a cool company. It was a company they were excited to own. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, I don't want to mention any details about it, but they, they, it it was a manufacturer um, and they manufactured really cool products Mm -hmm. that they were cool. You know, they had swag. They, you know, it was a brand that they were Mm -hmm. proud to own. And I think they got attached to 
the idea of being in this industry, owning this company. And I think that may have contributed to some of the due diligence getting missed. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see it as often from the buy side to from the sell side, but when we see buyers that are committed on the sell side, uh, it's fantastic for for us on the sell side because you you know you've caught your, your fish. You know <laughs> right. they're not they're not going anywhere. Right. They're gonna fight, and it might take a while to lure them in, but you are going to lure this fish in. Mm. Can't believe I just made a fishing. <laughs> First, I've made a lot of analogies on M&A stuff. I've never used fishing. Uh, but uh, but that's why, you know, we love to sell businesses to salespeople. Mm. So, you know, if you've got, you've got four or five different types of people that buy a business, the finance-oriented person, the sales-oriented person, the operations guy, and, you know, maybe some others. The sales guy is the best guy to sell business to because you do, especially if the seller of the current business isn't a good salesman because he just thinks that he's going to come in and just revolutionize the business, you know, and this, the due diligence, like you said, that I will tell you due diligence by salespeople is probably less than due diligence by other normal non-sales salespeople. Well, the salespeople, and I can speak to this as one that really has a lot of that personality. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really like the details so right. much. Oh, I know. Um, so that part isn't that fun. We'd rather yeah. like hang out with the people mm-hmm. and network, and that's yeah. way more fun than sitting yeah. and looking now, at financials. Make, or- they make great, great, great business owners when... They have a details person on their team? They have a details person (laughs) that is running the day-to-day operations. They make horrendous business owners when they are not astute enough to get somebody that they need. Right. I have seen that over and over and over again. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So I want to take this opportunity to tell my team, I appreciate you. (laughs) Because they take care of all my details. Yeah. (laughs) So I could see that completely, how that might happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you recommend for somebody that's interested in purchasing a business? So most importantly is to kind of understand that the world has changed. You know, today is July 13th, I think, 2022, and um, interest rates have gotten to a point where not only is buying a house becoming more difficult and house prices and and quickness of sale are, are going down, but it's going to be very similar in the in the business buying business. It, capital's becoming more expensive. Deals are getting a little bit tighter. So you really got to get an understanding of how comfortable do you feel with these rate increases and how are you going to then subsequently price the business? Um, that is something that we knew was coming, uh, but it's slowed down activity a little bit, even though we're the busiest that we've been. I mentioned that on the last podcast. There's all. There's never a bad time to buy any buy a business or sell a business. Mm. Never, never a bad time, as long as you have one thing that you can dictate, and that's the price of the business. So you always have to remember that. If you see a good solid business that's for sale right now, but it's more expensive for you to buy that business, well, you just offer. Unfortunately, mm. you either offer less or get creative in the deal or whatever the case may be. Um, 
But there's never a bad time to buy a business because if you're a good business operator, you know, somebody asked me this the other day, where would you put your money um, to get the best return? You know, like in the stock market or in oil and gas or whatever. I say always a small business. Always. Nice. As buyers of a business, you can buy a business with 10% down. Just kind of wrap your mind around that. Forget about what interest rates are. But what about the risk factor? Okay, so it depends on who you are and who your skill set is. And and there are a lot of people that should own a business that don't own a business, and there's a lot of people that do own a business that, that shouldn't. shouldn't. <laughs> so, so is there an as, asterisk to that then yes, when someone's I'm asking making, where to invest? I'm making the assumption, and this is a big assumption, <laughs> that you're astute enough to know that you have the skill sets needed to operate a business. Now, it's hard to say what those skill sets are because there's people that have never gone to college that are more successful than will ever be. And there's people that have gotten graduate degrees that, you know, couldn't run a P&L statement or run a business at all. So when I say you have to know what the, that you have the skill sets, it's kind of tough to know if you have it before you've tried it. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't be an entrepreneur until you're actually right. an entrepreneur. Right. Well, how do you know you'll be a good entrepreneur? Well, I'll tell, I, I'll tell you one thing that I've seen, and this is, this is going to sound like a very simple example, uh, but, and probably because I did it too as I was, when I was a kid, but I think that if you ever had a paper route or ran a landscape uh, mowing people's lawns or shoveling people's snow or collecting bottles, and I know I'm dating myself on this, <laughs> or babysat, or or done or taught some computer classes or done all these things when you were young. There's something that that excites most entrepreneurs. Have always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and they always say the same thing, which you said earlier that I said, but I didn't say on this podcast, which was I was the worst employee. Really bad employees are usually really good entrepreneurs. Yeah, because they don't want to be told what to do. Yep, that's um, me. <laughs> so you know what. Going back to where would you invest your money, going back to understanding who you are and what your skill sets are, I think a common factor to know if you at least have an entrepreneurial spirit is have you always been that way? Mm. Okay, so getting beyond that basic model, you know, you either have to be really badass at one thing or be really a good jack of all trades. Mm. But you can't just kind of be good at a few things. You've either got, you, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. You're either a Swiss Army knife or you're a switchblade, you mm. know, whatever the right analogy is with yeah, knives. Yeah. I'm not a knife collector, but <laughs> that, that sounded pretty good to me. Yeah, I think so too. But if you have the requisite skill set, going back to, I would absolutely invest in a small business because I'll give you math. I bought a business once, let's say it was a million dollars. And, and let's say we put in $150,000, got an SBA loan. In the first year and six months, so 18 months in, we got all of our down payment back. Wow. Now, we still had debt service that we had to pay. Right. We paid that debt service off in three and a half or four years. I can't remember. That's fantastic. And then we still had the business asset. Well, what's your return when you don't have any money invested in the business? It's infinity. Mm. You know what I mean? Now, well, there is a cost of opportunity there because that money could have been working for you elsewhere. Absolutely. And, 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 And you have to be careful because owning a business is more of an active investment 
than owning a passive investment. Right. So the only time that it's really worth it goes back to the conversation we had on the other podcast about businesses that have operations in place that make the business more passive. Right. Or really when your investment is good. Meaning, if you're making a good return, but you're constantly involved in that business, right. your return is not actually your return. It's just not. If you have a great system and you never show up in the business and you're not needed, then all of a sudden your return is, you know, can be right. incredible. So I think buying a business is great. It's how I it's how I got into this world of buying and selling businesses. I bought a maid company 24, 25 years ago. So um, let's just take the maid yep. company example. I'll ask you the same question I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. What do you know now that you wish you would have known at the beginning of that purchase? Hmm. And there's probably a lot of things, but what are some big things right. that stand out? So you want to hear something interesting? You know, we talk about buying a business being risky, and the risk is split between the business and the buyer. So you can have a perfect business that has a bad buyer. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can have a bad business that has a great buyer. <laughs> I was a bad buyer. I actually had a great business. Oh. So when you say, what would I have looked at the fence? So I, I, I'll just tell you real quick. The, the business had 18 employees, four teams of four workers, an assistant manager and a manager. And the owner, she just kind of, she really just oversaw the business and did the QuickBooks. Okay. And that was it. So and she was largely absentee from so the operation. She was large, you know, she didn't, she wasn't ever cleaning. She barely did anything with the scheduling. She barely bought any supplies. The business for a very small business, which it was, was extraordinarily run. Their marketing was on a lot of referrals because they did really good work. And the marketing was Valpac, which probably doesn't exist anymore today. <laughs> the mailing service, the yeah. So it's funny because... I had a horrible experience running that business. And if I hadn't had more experience in life, I would have said, buying a business is the worst thing in the world that you could ever possibly do. (laughs) Well, that business didn't have a problem. I had a problem. Mm. I was smarter than that business, you know, in my mind, mind, Uh. uh, because I was raised in corporate America. But, you know, so in that particular deal, See, it's hard for me. I haven't, I don't want to say I've never made a mistake when buying a business, but I've never missed something obvious that I was like, I cannot believe. So the due diligence was not the issue there. Yeah. The due diligence. Would you say it was your own humility like that was needed in that situation to, to, to be able to say, I don't know, I need to get more information or I need to bring in somebody that knows. And I was young too. I think I was 28 at the time. I mean, I was old enough to know better, but not old enough to have a lot of good experience. So So what would you have done differently? Would you have brought in somebody with more expertise in those areas that you needed help? Yeah, I would have probably gotten into a business owner group or hired a coach Mm. or hired somebody or had somebody that had run a, I mean, my parents had run small businesses before a grocery store and something else, but it was really only those two working there and maybe they had one or two other employees. So I really didn't get a lot of good managerial type. Gotcha. Of, and, uh, yeah, I would have brought in some help for sure. For sure. Um, 
So maybe that's the lesson to relate to other people mm. is be willing to say, I don't know and I need help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the buyers are just like me. That's why that's why I'm I do a lot of this buy side work is because I look at them and they're they're totally clueless. Like what they think is important <laughs> is important, yeah. but not like the most important. Mm. And, and doing buy side work is fun for us because, you know, we know what's wrong with all these small businesses. But when we work for the sell side clients, you know, we have to try to maximize value and kind of, you know, put some makeup on the, on the, on the issues. As buy side, it's great because we know what's really going to affect value and really what isn't important. So we don't really have to argue and negotiate the stuff that's not important. So it seems like we're giving up a lot when we really just try to fight for what's important. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what's important isn't even that pricey sometimes. It's just really important. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I know I have learned a lot here, so I appreciate you coming on Absolutely. to share your knowledge and the wealth of experience with anyone that might be listening. If somebody did want to reach out to your firm and get your advice and perhaps engage your services, how can they find you? Absolutely. The name of the firm is The Vant Group, V-A-N-T, and the website is thevantgroup.com. Um, you can email me, alex at thevantgroup.com, or give us a call from the website. Our website is full of information. Nice. So if you're a buyer or a seller, you could spend hours on there. Um, you got your due asking. diligence list of a thousand items? Yeah, I actually do. I actually <laughs> wow. do. It's overwhelming, but I wow, do Wow, that's it. fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, reach out. We're always happy to consult. Um, uh, and we're always happy to give people at least a little bit of time to warn them of of what they may not know. Now, if you know what you know and you want to make the jump, I say 100%, mm. 100% make the jump. Just make sure you really know what you're supposed to know. Well, and I would say just to take this full circle, keep the end in mind, no matter what stage of your business you're in mm. and it's never too early to start. Yeah. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate all of that. And if anybody needs bookkeeping services, they can reach us at sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com or info at sakline.com is our email. Um, also looking for a sponsor. If anybody's interested in sponsoring our Buy the Books podcast, reach out to me, info at sakline.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week. Buy the Books is presented by Sakline. Honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.